Welcome to the E6 Podcast. The E6 Podcast is a place for candid conversations from Colonial Church, where we will dive deeper into what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as Christ followers. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 11 of the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. Um, We are actually recording on Saturday before Sunday. That's different. I thought I'd throw that out there just in case. Wait, so not Saturday after Sunday, but Saturday before Sunday. Before Sunday, right. Not the the coming one, the the one that's here now. So today is actually March 13th. Yes. And this podcast will be posted on, on the 15th, 15th. So we're yes. a couple days earlier than yeah we, well you with spring break coming up and uh, some things are, are a little bit different with this as people are on vacation and being out of town we thought we'd get ahead of the game and also because we wanted to have a good friend come on and um, so if you don't know my name is Brooke if you've listened to us before uh, we also have Lauren who's here with us yes he is the Eeyore voice the butter voice that you've been hearing that's on the low end if you need to turn your bass up a little bit you that's can that's right you can make sure you get him uh, loud in your speakers but we also have uh, our good friend um, Wayne Waters Wayne Waters is one of our elders hey Wayne how are you hey how's it going thanks for having me yeah we're glad to have you here Yes, a different voice. Lieutenant Colonel Waters has descended from the heavens. He's usually up in a fancy fighter jet doing some training, and he has brought his uh, crew cut, uh, muscular, tight, uh, hero self to our podcast. I'm a little excited. Basically, we have Captain America with us. Captain America. He's shaking his head right now, and it's so true. He is Captain America. He is loving this. Yes, as you can if tell. he was single, women would love him. Man. But he's not. <laughs> he's Wayne, a- Wayne, uh, tell us about yourself. So I've been here uh, in Wichita Falls. So we have my family and I uh, for about nine years. So we've been at Colonial for about the same amount of time. Uh, been an elder here at the church for about three years. Uh, it'll be three years exactly in April. Uh, work out at the base. I'm a reservist full time. Uh, also instruct students and instructors who are about to instruct students and. Uh, just keep myself fairly busy and try to find the balance. You've got three beautiful kids. I do. Two girls and a boy. Yes. Tell us about them. So my oldest daughter, Lauren, is about to go off to college next year. She actually put on her cap and gown today. That was a big Ooh. moment for my wife and I. <laughs> uh, my son's 14. He's in uh, junior ROTC and just trying to um, you know, find himself and see what he wants to do long term. And then my youngest daughter, she's our firecracker. She's very outgoing. She's always out playing with the kids down the street, you know, just trying to get into the next thing. Very creative mind. She's awesome. And she's just a ball of joy to have around the house. Love it. Love it. Tell us about Cara, your wife, my beautiful wife, um, just is uh, my rock. I got to interrupt. He didn't say smoking hot. He didn't. I I immediately had the same thing pop in my head. I was like, Oh gosh, did we just step in it? (laughs) Previous episode. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. But she's awesome. She's my rock. Um, obviously, uh, a big support to the family. She's highly emotional, intelligent. I've told her that numerous times. Um, maybe we can go into what that means later on, but Uh, I admire her and her ability to care for people. The first thing she thinks about when she wakes up in the morning is other people, especially the kids, me, the dog. um, And then she's just extremely selfless. Um, So I'm fortunate that um, God chose me to be with her and her to be with me. It sounds like it's a benefit that you come before the dog. So it's the kids (laughs) and then you... He's kind of high maintenance. Like it could have been. It <laughs> he's a little high been. maintenance. I'll just say that. <laughs> For a little dog, he, he requires a lot, huh? Yes. He's awesome. We love him. That's Rescue cool. dog, and, and he's fantastic. 
So you are uh, you're you're instructing, and you're instructing the people that are going to be instructing. Correct. Um, but you do fly, right? Yes. And and tell us about what are the things that you fly? Because in my head, like my dad was in the my dad was in the army, um, so not real heavy based in planes. He wanted to be a pilot, but uh, he can't hear out of one ear, and he's colorblind like me. And uh, and so so that was just you know we just had this dream of it's so in my head like there's. I'm sure there are a million different kinds of planes, but they're all basically like F-16s to me because <laughs> I don't know any different. And to me, it's just a jet that I see flying around like way up high in the sky. And I can, I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. Cool. It's fine. So what do you fly? And, or what, what is your, what's your favorite? Maybe that's a good question. What's your favorite thing that you've flown? So probably the favorite is still the F-16, which I flew for about seven years, but I fly the T-38, which is one of our fighter trainers. Uh, it's a supersonic jet, twin engine. Uh, we get the students in the second phase of the program after they fly the T-6, which is a turboprop, a little bit slower airplane, uh, an easier transition for students, and then they come to us after about six months. So I'll fly with students, whether it's how to teach them to fly the airplane, uh, to fly formation in the airplane, to fly low. We, we actually take them supersonic at least once in the program, and that's really exciting for them. Is that the one, is that the one where they, you have video of them passing out in the back, and, in the back, and it's like... <laughs> Oh, I didn't that's realize. Where we go, I... Hey, there's there's Elvis. Did you hear Elvis right there? <laughs> we went supersonic, and there was Elvis. You missed him. <laughs> I love it. And and tell me if I'm completely wrong on this, but my understanding is because of Shepherd Air Force Base here and our partnership with NATO, you actually train people from all over all over Europe, at least all over the world. Yes, primarily uh, the Dutch, the Germans, the Danes, the Italians. Um, there's a host of other nations that are here. Um, probably the Germans and the Italians have the most students here. Okay. But we have a pretty good mix. I think 40% of the program is um, our European students, and then the other 60% are U.S. students. So we do fly with you know, U.S. students one day, and I could fly with the Germans or Dutch um, the next day. And on that note, like I've been trained by some of the other nations as well, um, especially when I got here to get in the aircraft. And also when I was at Shaw in the F-16, one of my – favorite instructors um, of all times um, was a Dutch guy. And I learned probably the most in the F-16 from him specifically. And he's now their number two in their Air Force over in the Netherlands. Wow. Fantastic guy and one of the best F-16 pilots I've ever flown with. That's so cool. You you were trained by the second guy basically yes. in Holland. In Who's likely to be the first guy. I would love to see him be the, the what we would call the chief of staff of the Air Force for the Netherlands. Uh, he's on track to be that guy. Um, we'll, we'll see if that actually happens, but I'd be super proud to hear uh, his name. I went, as I, went uh, I went golfing one time with this, uh, this pastor named Lauren. It's pretty cool. <laughs> she sounds awesome. I know. We should go play great. golf sometime soon. <laughs> Get YB to yeah. go with us. Yeah, that's oh, <laughs> Brooke, Brooke, that's your best name drop. Good luck. That's right. Buddy. I know. That's right. I'm like, yeah, so there was this guy. He's a head of the church that I currently work for. Yeah, aim higher. <laughs> uh, I do, I do want to say this about Wayne. A uh, couple things. One is you have become one of my best friends here in Wichita Falls. Likewise. And that's part of the gift of eldering together and spending time together. Um, I love you, brother. Thanks for, Thanks. for everything. Same. And then on a professional level, I want to regurgitate what I've heard Colonel Ashcraft, one of our elders, say that Wayne will never say this, but people walk around Shepherd Air Force Base talking about Wayne Waters. People in the program uh, look to who's the best, who, who are the better folks, and Wayne's going to probably disagree in just a second, but his name, his name is right there. So in a lot of ways, on a professional level, on just a 
a great heart, um, someone who is teachable, wants to be a better husband, better dad, the way you serve your family, and then ultimately, you know, as a pastor and an elder here, the way you're partnering with us. Just many, many thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you know, in the moment, like, it makes me think about my story. And in a nutshell, like, you know, that would have several years ago just fulfilled my pride in the moment. Um, but through my story, um, I learned about a guy named Rich Fronin who had Galatians 6.14 tattooed down the side of his his chest. If you don't know who Rich Fronin is, he's one of the gurus in CrossFit, fantastic guy, but he's a very name? strong Christian, F-R-O-N-I-N-G. Fronin. He actually has his own podcast, um, but he cool. is one of the elite athletes, did extremely well, but... Galatians 6.14, man, never boast except in the cross of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I, I wouldn't have known that verse if it wasn't for him. And then I started to learn what that verse really meant. And I, I'm obviously honored by the, the compliments. Um, and I feel the same way about you. It's been great to get to know you better. Um, I hope we can continue to get to know each other better. Um, but that, that's part of my story. Like I joined the Air Force because of my pride and my competitiveness. And then through time, I just realized that that's not everything. Like, I, I fortunately had a couple of fighter pilots retired who mentored me. They wouldn't say it was on a formal level, but they, uh, they were uh, impactful in my life to, to help me to be more humble, be more modest. Um, I, I, am, I am the pilot I am today because of all those guys that I talked about. Um, Java Stewart is the guy's name from the Netherlands. And then all the instructors and pilots that I flew with that, you know, taught me how to be better. Um, and so I, I owe who I am in the moment um, to those guys Ooh. and gals. Boy, you guys are cute. All right. <laughs> just just best buds. <laughs> Hang out. Wayne, I'm curious. Um, as we, uh, as a staff, we have talked about our five voices, and uh, I don't think we've ever talked about them on the podcast, um, but I'm, I'm curious just now, with, uh, with Tanner out today, um, not with us today, and with Lauren, Lauren, Lauren and Tanner are both like, they are, um, they're, they're, they're feelers, they're nurturers, they want to, they're connectors, they yes. want to talk everything out, right? Yes. So I'm stuck in, the, I'm not, I'm not like full on, like I need my paper and I want to have my own thoughts to myself. Like I like to verbal process a little bit, but not nearly to the extent, um, to like the insane off, insane off the charts extent that these two do. Um, where do you fall with your five voices? How does that work? Where are you in this? Uh, am I going to have to pull things out of you today? Or, no, but you know? I, I am. I, I've thought about this before I got here. I, I'm going to be thoughtful in my responses um, because I, I, I need time to think through things, analyze, research. And so this is actually out of my norm. Uh, and out of my comfort zone, for sure. So are you a guardian? Uh, I am partly a guardian. That's okay. my second voice, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> for those that don't know what the five voices are, I'm a big fan of the five voices. Um, but there are pioneers, there are nurturers, creatives, connectors, and guardians. And okay. I am a pioneer, which is a very fighter pilot-esque mm. uh, personality and voice to have. Right. Um, because we're very objective-oriented. We're very, uh, what are the contingencies as we get to the objective? If you think about it, you know, sometimes our missions are to go downtown and to bomb a specific building or some area, and that's kind of our mentality. So lots of pioneers, I would argue, in the Air Force, lots of guardians as well. And so I, I think we've talked before, um, I, I think through things, um, and I'm not as much of a feeler, although I appreciate the feelers. Like I said, my wife is a quintessential nurturer, and she is highly emotionally intelligent, which 
I respect and I would like to be more emotionally intelligent and I don't <laughs> think I'm very emotionally intelligent. And I think Lauren is very emotionally intelligent, which I admire in folks that are like that. He's at least emotional. He's a, <laughs> he's a great so communicator. <laughs> so we talked about this before and actually recently we talked about it. He is fantastic at communicating to people. And I think how he understands people puts him in a better position to communicate better. And I'm like, I want to, I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to communicate and relate to people um, at that level. That's cool. Well, speaking of how well he communicates, um, as, as, as an elder, as we have gone through a series that we called, we don't talk about this. And then last week, one of my favorite series, by the way, I was a big fan as well, personally. Um, I'm, I'm curious your perspective. Uh, maybe, maybe it's your personal perspective. Maybe it's, it's from your perspective as an elder of the church, one of the leaders of the church, spiritual leaders. Um, what, uh, when we get pushback, we, I mean, we do get pushback, which, especially when you talk about race, when you talk about homosexuality, when you talk about these things, because you can't, uh, we can't stand up and, um, basically present, this is our full stance on every little aspect of these nuanced conversations. Um, as an elder, what, what is your, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your take on, on having these conversations? Should we have these conversations? Should we not have these conversations? Okay, so the quick answer as an elder is we're in this world, and so there's complex issues um, that require us to be able to address that. And if the church ignores that, they're missing an opportunity, I think, to share with people, you know, what the gospel is, what the, what the Bible says. I'm not saying that's easy, yeah. but those conversations are being had regardless, whether they're in church or not. Yeah. And, and if we don't talk about them in church, then we're missing opportunities for people to learn and grow. And to be honest, like I like those conversations. Like I like those series because I'm kind of a closet intellectual. In a way, I, uh, I say that because I grew up as kind of a jock, played sports, was not into reading and doing things. And now uh, in my older age, I guess, uh, I've started to want to learn more and grow and try to understand some of these complex problems in our world. So I love... Um, the series, and hope we do it more often uh, in the future, but it comes with its own sort of messiness, right? So complex issues, you know, there's emotion tied into it. Um, there's a philosophy as far as the background goes, and, and, and these topics have been thought about and talked about over the years, and we still haven't gotten to, like, solid solutions or solid conclusions. This is Why the is that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I, I relish the moment. I, I do understand that it does get contentious to some degree. Um, I, I, I know some people that handle it way better than I do or would, um, but, but I'm willing to dive in. I think that's what life is like. I think that's the journey that we're kind of tasked to be on. And I, I don't want to say I hate, but I, I, I'm disappointed to some degree that the church as a whole has ignored some of these topics. So that's why I'm excited about us addressing some of those things, like I said, I know that they're hard topics to discuss, and I hate when people, um, you know, are they, they, they feel shunned or maybe they're hurt uh, by the topics. Um, but what I want and is for people to build relationships to have these tough conversations. Uh, I thought about it yesterday. I'm like, how much have I grown as a Christian, and when have I grown the most as a Christian? It's when I build relationships, and and we're tackling tough pro, uh, tough issues, whether it's grief or loss or um, you know, race. Um, it, it, those are the times that I've grown as a person. Mm. Um, and I think we can uh, grow as a church um, by dealing with some of these topics, but it doesn't come without its own challenges, sure. if you will. Yeah. I, I appreciate that our elders, um, not just in a very general sense, have my back. That, that's, 
that's something I want to be open about. I'm so grateful for that. But that we have the kind of relationships where they can push back. They can say, whoa, Nelly, you know, they can, they can affirm and, and spur on. Um, just if, if everybody can imagine, it's not just difficult for us to talk about in an auditorium, you know, it's difficult to talk about even amongst church leaders. You know, we have different convictions. We have different, even have slightly different interpretations of scripture. Sure. Um, so all that to say, uh, that's been, that's been a part of this last series as well is even on the leadership level. I'll say this, you know, so I, I teach uh, students and I've gotten a little bit better at learning how people learn. And as we continue to do this, we're going to learn to do it better. And so that's why I, I encourage us to continue to do this. I'm not saying we have to do this like every month or every quarter, but I certainly think annually uh, is probably a good time frame or maybe twice a year um, it, because there's obviously other things that we can talk about. But as we do this more and more, um, I think we're going to get better and better at dealing with this. And I think people are going to see the true intent um, is to tackle some of the tough topics and then build their relationships and and listen to what people have to say about it. Like, where are they coming from? What's their perspective? How do they feel about it? What are their experiences? Uh, I learned a lot. I, one of my favorite podcasts, I've, I'm still catching up, but was with YB to hear his um, thoughts on race. Um, I, I really admire him. I, I, I would love to go play golf with him. Um, but to hear him tackle some tough to- um, topics um, or that, mm. that topic itself, I mean, that's just... Uh, that's just gold, in my opinion, as far as learning from other people. Mm. I, I I agree that, A, we should do this from time to time. You can't do it all the time or it's just really hard. <laughs> yes. Uh, and there's other things that are right down the middle that we need to talk a lot about. You know, at the same time, I, I it resonates with me to do something like this annually, um, at least somewhat, you know, intentionally over time to, to ask another hard question, to, to delve into another hard topic. Um I love your heart that I resonate with, which is, Hey, we're learning too. Like that's something I want everybody to hear that calls colonial home as, as a lead pastor. I am not Joe authority on, on almost anything. I am a student of scripture. I'm a student of culture. Uh, God's not finished with me yet. I think even in the last few weeks I have misspoken once or twice, if not more, I have, I was joking with a friend, even over coffee this morning that I like to throw things at the wall sometimes and see if they stick. (laughs) And that gets me in all kinds of trouble, you know? And I think even the Lord's convicted me, I've got to be really deliberate as a teacher. Uh, but that's part of this process. And, and my heart, I said this last week is not that when we encounter something that's very uncomfortable, or maybe even we disagree with that we take our ball and go home, or we take our ball and go play on another field, find another church, for example, but that we continue to be in, in community with people and we just wrestle together out loud, even pushing back. But we, I think that's part of what we don't know how to do today is disagree well or have civil discourse over hard subjects. We watch the world around us. There's no such thing. There's people yelling uh, at each other or over each other, or it's a lot of monologues, you know? Uh, I think of just the major high rating news shows and it's, they're monologues. They're just, they're not conversations. And so I just want to contrast that with, with doing life with each other and talking about hard things. I don't know how idealistic I am. I think I said the same thing last week. Yeah, I I will admit on our podcast right now, I'm tired. I've had multiple one-on-one, one-on-two conversations this week 
that I'm emotionally and mentally exhausted by. And it's what I was expecting. Like, how do you, we just did a series called, you know, we don't talk about that difficult topics the church ignores. And then we step into it and wonder why it's difficult. Mm. Wonder why it's hard. Uh, I'm grateful to have a few elders uh, on my left and right that are saying, this is a good thing. It's a hard thing. Let's do it better next time. Let's do it the better, better the next time. Um, so, well, speaking of, of hard conversations, um, before, before I have, a, I have a question that came from, from last week. And so I want to, I want to ask that to you and, um, pose that to you. But before that, I, I, maybe, maybe a little bit lighter, just as contentious. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you, you posted something on Facebook, um, or you reposted something on Facebook in the last, uh, just in the last day or two, um, Lauren, that was about, um, churches and what they've had to deal with as far as the mask mandate or not mask mandate, and now the difference in what businesses are all having to go mm. through. And I just thought, I thought that was just to hear from you and your perspective of why that felt so, yeah. um, uh, maybe maybe uh, relaxing, you know, or or maybe affirming in in being able to read that. So fill me uh, in. You know, if I'm honest, it wasn't relaxing at all. It <laughs> it, it wasn't even that affirming. I think my heart sank mm. when I read this for all of our business owners and just a lot of a lot of our people because if you didn't see what I posted, I saw one of our other pastors in our community uh, post this. It was an attorney a Christian attorney who had just a very eloquent post about how churches have had to deal for a year for the most part with telling everybody probably should wear a mask, but being okay with people who don't want to wear a mask. And, and no matter what we do, we can't do it right. I mean, if, if, yeah. if, if you come to one of our doors on a Sunday morning, maybe somebody on our welcome team has a mask on, and they're, they're waving at you from a distance and they're, they're giving you space and maybe somebody at another door cause they got their own convictions is not wearing a mask and they're trying to side hug you. And no matter what we do, we can't do it right. But business owners for the most part haven't had to deal with that because it's been mandated. It's been mandated across the, the board that they have to do it a certain way. And so everybody kind of cuts them some slack. Nobody's mad at the business owner. Now our governor has come out and said, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to wear a mask. And we've got, I don't know about y'all, but I got about a half a dozen emails from my doctor, from yeah. the school, yeah. from, from a couple other places I frequent in town. They're saying, hey, I know this is what the governor says. I know this is what the state says, but we're still going to require masks. And some of them are getting major pushback right. because now every little business, every little entity at every school is saying, hey, this is how we're going to do it. Sorry. And they can't do it right. right. No matter what they do, they can't do it right. And this, this attorney wasn't a pastor speaking. This attorney just said, yeah, welcome to the church's world. We've right. been doing this all year. I didn't feel nearly as affirmed as I just felt sad. Yeah. For, uh, <laughs> I've gone to several business establishments and the signs are down saying we require masks and you walk in and it's, it just varies. It varies on who's doing what and different employees doing different things. And uh, it's a no-win situation. Well, I came across a um, a post in one of the like the Facebook rants and raves, um, or or a community post or something or a community page or something on Facebook for for Wichita Falls, and and somebody had posted a a question about um, 
is your is your business i'm compiling a list is your business going to continue to require masks uh and then and then just reading the comments and how completely crazy it is in either direction some of them are like yes i want to know that list because that's where i'm going to go and others are like yes i want to know that list because i'm not going to any of those businesses and <laughs> some of the businesses are like we're going to require it from our staff but we're not going to require it from our people and some are like we're going to require it at the door and then we're going to call the police if you don't and others are like we don't All care so we're taking it it's, it's just nuts yeah. i was i you know there's no win it's such an emotional issue uh trump couldn't do it do it right no matter what he did biden can't do it right no matter what he does you know it's just all over the place it is and i I think it's just um it's just a reflection of how messy uh life is and and the world is and it's to me an even uh a more important reason for us to just focus on what's most important Mm. but i totally understand it i understand both sides Uh, i think it was very it was actually very profound when i read that facebook post Mm. Uh, i was like hey welcome to our world (laughs) because you know unfortunately churches and pastors uh, for the most part and staffs have had to deal with that, and it has not been easy. Um, I mean, so I mean, it, it's actually remarkable, and I, I, I'm thankful that folks are willing to tackle it. But now it's like, hey, welcome to the fray. Hmm. I I, uh, I saw a meme. I think I may have mentioned this before, but it just resonates so much. I probably shared it more than once. I saw a meme of how pastors, basically at any mo- given moment, are like, well. It, no matter what I say, I'm going to tick off 50% of our people, <laughs> which is a little bit, sounds like a martyr, but there's some truth to that. Like you just yes. can't, I will say this at, at the risk of somebody, you know, disagreeing or, or emotionally charged about this. I think my favorite little 10 second moment about masks happened a couple weeks ago with one of our deacons, a gentleman in our church, I won't name. And we were talking, we both had our masks, masks on. He took his mask off. And he held it in, in front of him, and he said, these don't work. And he said it very authoritatively, and he, and he just let it sit there for a second. And in my head, I'm like, oh, no, where's he going with this, you know? <laughs> and then he put it back on, and he said, but you know what? Some people really do believe that they do, and so I'm going to wear mine for them. And just all in about 10 seconds, he revealed he's very much against right. wearing masks, and he can identify with all these people that hate masks and don't want to be told what to do and all that stuff. And all at the same time, to me, he showed humility and and love for other people and empathy and just said, but I'm going to wear it because somebody else thinks it does and it's not about me. So I'm not saying we all have to do it just like that, but I walked away with just crazy respect for this guy, mm-hmm. knowing he's so much against it and he's still got one on, you know? So... All right. Well, um, I want to I want to make sure we got enough time to get through some of this stuff. But so we, in one of the conversations that I had over the past week, as we talked about homosexuality last week, um, briefly from the stage, and then you know a little bit more in depth as far as podcast goes. Um, one of the questions that came up, I was having a conversation with somebody, and um, the question that was posed was, so for a person who, and we're just going to dive in here because you know. There's no, there's no warm up um, for a person who didn't choose to be gay, right? So they felt this way their entire life that this is not something that they actively were like, you know what? I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna choose that that way. Um, what do you say to him or her that here's what the church has to say, and here's that God made a biological mistake in creating them? Mm. Great question. I'll bet a very common question. What I, what I hear this person saying is. 
if I am born gay, uh, if I didn't choose this, how do I deal with the fact that the church is telling me God made a mistake? Yeah. Um, there's a few layers to that that I'll, I'll speak into. Um, first of all, my understanding from everything I've read from a lot of research over the last few years, I'm, I'm definitely not an authority on this subject, but I've read some really smart people, Christian and otherwise, who have said all of them, there is no proof yet scientifically for what, what is commonly called the gay gene. Uh, as much as different folks want to talk about being born gay, even the non-Christians, even the secular humanist scientists are not saying that we've found that yet. Now, let's separate the science. Let's just talk about experiences, life experiences. I've got multiple friends who say they're gay, who are attracted to the same sex, and they, they don't remember choosing that. They don't remember ever not feeling that way. So I don't blame people for using that language, saying I was born this way. Um, here's, here's, I think, a, a very important, two truths, two truths that jump out to me. One is God does not make mistakes. So there's nowhere in scripture that, that shows us anything other than we are, are wonderfully made complex creatures by a God who loves us in his image, every human being made in his image. So there's no room for the church to communicate on purpose or accidentally or without even realizing it, that God makes mistakes, that you're a mistake or he's a mistake or she's a mistake. So that's just, that's just a lie. And that's God forbid a huge mistake by the church for us to communicate that. I think the better backdrop for us to understand this, and this has really shaped my theology since I was, I was really young in my faith, is that we just don't talk about the fall enough. Uh, we live in a fallen world, the fall being that event that transpired in the beginning that changed everything, that infected the world as we know it. Things were made perfect by God, by his design, and then as we understand from the scriptures, we as humanity, we chose to go our own way. We chose to disobey. We chose not to trust him. And everything fell apart. Everything there was there were no tsunamis before the fall. There were there was no cancer before the fall. There there was no selfishness before the fall. Uh, there was no lust of the flesh, you know, heterosexual or homosexual before the fall. And yet everything got infected, everything went south. And so, you know, why is there terrorism in the world? Why is there war? Why is there COVID? Uh, why is there selfishness? Why is there division in a church? All of that points back to the fall, which, if I can rant for just a little longer, when it comes to homosexuality, when it comes to being born certain ways, here's, here's my question. Is it fair that some babies are born blind? Is it fair that some babies are born missing a chromosome? Is it fair that some babies are born without an appendage, with a blood disorder, uh, with certain things that cause it to have a very short life? Like, is it fair that I got born in Fort Worth, Texas to two parents with a bunch of, you know, a couple of cars and decent amount of money and somebody else gets born at the exact same moment in the middle of the Congo, 
with, with nothing. Uh, we live in a fallen world where the ripple effect of sin has infected and, and changed everything. So do we say that that baby born blind is God's mistake? Do we say that that baby born over there and not over here or in that situation or and not this situation, that's God's mistake? No, we, of course we don't say that. So to say that someone's born attracted to the same sex, there's still so much of the science we're trying to figure out and understand. But regardless, God doesn't make mistakes. And just because I was born with the ability to grow up and, and lust after a woman um, doesn't mean that that changes what sin is. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to have sex with someone I'm not married to. That's what the scripture tells me. I'm not supposed to have to have lust in my heart for another woman. That's what God, that's what Jesus is very clear about. Uh, you're not supposed to have lust in your heart for someone of the same sex. That's what the scripture is very clear about. Uh, and so the biblical ethic of, of, of what sexuality is, is something we, we just got to continue to talk about and wrestle with. I've got questions about, I mean, the transgender issue is just coming up. I'm, I'm reading a book right now, again, by Preston Sprinkle with a couple other people he's partnered with. That's just opening my eyes to what we're discovering. Uh, so many questions. We got to hold this loosely and yet hold on tightly to what the scripture teaches us about God's idea of sexuality uh, and separate that somehow from the negative messages we're giving the people we love who are attracted to the same sex. Uh, we've got to love them well. We've got to journey with them well and hold on to truth at the same time um, and overcome these misunderstandings that we're saying they're mistakes, that we're saying uh, that we're shaming, that we're making them feel unwelcome. Uh, I, I want us to journey together and wrestle with this. I will... I will give a couple of uh, resources I want to pass on. I've had conversations with two different parents this week, and and then there's another family in our church dealing with with man. How do I how do I deal with this? Well, there's a webinar coming out in a week and a half. We'll we'll include the link in our show notes. It's called Parenting LGBTQ Kids. Uh, it's on the evening of March 23rd. It's a webinar that's specifically devoted to helping Christian parents navigate their relationship with LGBTQ kids with grace and truth. Um, they're going to have a couple sets of parents and their kids who've gone about this relationship well. Oh my goodness. I, I want to watch it. Yeah. I want to listen. I want to be teachable. Uh, so we'll, we'll include that link in the show notes. I think that might be a really valuable resource for, for wherever you're coming from in this area. There's another resource I'll mention that um, I'm going to take seriously as a leader. There's a, another webinar a few weeks later that, that uh, Dr. Sprinkle is going to offer us. It's called Creating Healthy Churches for LGBTQ People. Um, it's for us pastors, for us Christian leaders who really want, we want to stay true to what God's word teaches us, but we also want to create grace-filled environments for people wrestling with their sexuality. I want our church to be Oh, it's so hard to be a church that's holding on to what we really believe is true and be grace-filled in the middle of it. So mm -hmm. I forgive me. I don't know how well I addressed that question. Uh, you have any thoughts, Wayne or Brooke, either one of you guys? I told you he was a good communicator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that because it's a difficult topic, and, and I'll provide a, a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm an Air Force officer. I'm not speaking on behalf of the Air Force, Department of Defense, or NATO. This is my personal opinion. Um, and so... 
and I don't want to act like I speak on behalf of the church, um, because I wrestle with these issues just like I think a lot of people do. Um, I, I want to say to that guy, God loves you, brother, and, and, and we want you to be a part of the conversation. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear where you're coming from, what your perspectives are, what your experiences are, so we can continue to wrestle with these topics as a church and help folks find those answers. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure we're going to find the answer to a lot of these complex problems, you know, very quickly. Uh, will we ever understand things the way that God understands things here on earth uh, with our, to some degree, limited capacity? Um, even with the internet out there, with all the information that's out there on the internet, I, I don't know if we'll find the answer. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't stop seeking the answer and we can't come together and, and build those relationships where maybe collectively we can find an answer. Um, I'm not naive to think we're going to find the answers to all these complex problems, but I'm certainly willing to to dive in with you guys. Um, that's why I'm here. Like I said, it's out of my comfort zone, and I'm willing to <laughs> to get dirty, get my hands dirty, and figure out you know, what some of these issues um, are, how complex they are, maybe get to some type of answer. What I don't want is for us as a church to neglect people in general um, and to neglect some of these issues. I, I want us to dive in deep and basically um, love one another. I mean, because I think that's important. Well, I think that's the, I think it's where, where it gets difficult is that we, we want to figure out how to have the conversations, right? And, and f- in, in my, in my lifetime, in my experience, I've, I've watched the church, um, in, you know, in the, in the evangelical church that I've been a part of, right? My context, not talk about these things and, and, um, and feel like we had the answer, you know, this is the answer. Well, it's wrong or, or this shouldn't happen or this scenario is, you know, whatever it is that, that we've had that answer. Right. And so we've, we've, we've become a church that, and I don't mean, I don't mean colonial specifically, but we have become the church that doesn't know how to, as I was, as I was hearing this question, I was thinking like, what does that church look like? What does the church look like that that can that can have an interpretation of scripture that uh, that that says homosexuality is wrong, and still bring in love, care for, build up um, an LGBTQ person that is that is in through th- that's through this because in the conversations that I've had with people, it's it's um, maybe maybe it's welcoming up front, but then the rest of the time, it yes. just feels like all you're trying to do is change me. Yes. You're, yeah. you're just trying to change me. You're yes. just trying to change me. You just don't want me to be this, you know, whatever. And so it's, it's like, I don't, no, I don't, I don't even know what that looks like. You're right on. Because I, that's my, my closest gay friend is name is Andre. He lives in Denver. And, and I, I hope he's always been willing in the past. I hope he'll even join us at some point in the future. Just to, just to share a little bit. He loves Jesus. He's, um, uh, He's convinced that it's okay to be gay, that God made him that way. We've had some very honest conversations about this at length. We've disagreed on things, and he knows I love him. And it's not hard for me and him. It's not hard for us to love each other. It's not hard for us to do life together. But he has confessed what you're saying. He's gone to one or more churches that uh, on the surface seem very welcoming mm. and maybe even have a conversation about it like mm-hmm. like we're trying to, despite how hard it is. And then he joins a small group or he, he starts serving in the kids' area and there's pushback. There's major, there's major 
uh, unwelcoming messages right. that are sent his way. To your point, um, first and foremost, they want him to change. And that's, that's one of the challenges, I think, for the church in general. If, like, we've just elevated certain sins above right. the others. That's, that's what we do. We're, we're human. We, we don't talk about gluttony. We don't talk about laziness. But we talk about homosexuality. Sure. You know, we don't, we don't talk about lying. I mean, that's been my biggest sin of my entire life is deceit. <laughs> We don't do, it's just pride. It's not that it's not that apparent, you know. Yeah. But if I walk in and I'm holding a guy's hand, that's a little it's in your face and we talk about it. And so I think you hit it on the head, Brooke, how and we'll probably never do it super well here at Colonial, but how do we do it fairly well? You know, mm-hmm. how do we create more and more of a culture that's grounded in truth and the scripture we have to hold on tightly to scripture. It's God's it's God's revelation to us, it's his plumb line. For what's truth, even when culture's changing around us, and all at the same time, have a grace-filled, loving environment, and it's going to be messy. Hmm. I'll say this: um, you know, there are folks that are listening that maybe aren't comfortable with getting into these conversations. Let's let's be honest; like sure. we are kind of diving into this. Uh, you know, whether we're extroverts or not, there's some folks that just aren't comfortable with this, so right. maybe they're still asking the questions. Uh, but there's a great book out there called Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert by Rosaria Butterfield. I encourage you to to get on Amazon. I think it's uh, you know about 13 bucks. Um, but she was a feminist and a homosexual, worked as an English professor in Syracuse. And she talks about her journey from meeting and befriending a couple that was attending a church in Syracuse. They built a great relationship. She went into the relationship thinking there was something that they wanted. They wanted to change her. And that was not really what they intended. They intended to love on her, to get to understand her, to get to know her. Um, and it's a really fantastic book uh, for those that are, are, are maybe thinking about this or maybe want to learn more about this. Um, I highly recommend uh, it, grabbing that book or uh, listening to it if you get the chance. Love it. I, yeah, I, Wayne's already mentioned that to me. It's on my list. I haven't read that yet, uh, but I appreciate you providing that resource, Wayne. Yeah, you I'll bet. add it on mine too. So we are... Uh, we'll we'll attempt to move to move beyond that question as we could again probably camp out here for a while but um so we're we're in in week two this one's a little funky because we actually haven't heard your message so we've only seen maybe some of the some of the the, the points that you have do you have something to say before we go into that no i just realized we did already say we're recording this on a saturday yeah uh and we like to dig a little deeper typically on monday right. mornings on the the message the previous day but to your point it's we're, a little funky. We're, this time. we're we're kind of pretending. Yeah, you guys haven't heard bit. me teach, but I've sent you my my notes. Um, yeah, I, maybe we just keep it a little more broad for so now. Y- you know, yesterday in the future. <laughs> yesterday in the future, <laughs> after losing an hour of sleep. Uh-huh, thank you, right. daylight savings time. Oh, when yeah, are we going to yeah. lose that? Uh, man, I have been begging for that for this is years. My least favorite night. <laughs> I don't. Of the year. I, I confess, I don't know any. Uh, I don't know any farmers. That at least that that really do this. I look at places like Arizona that yes, are already like we don't really care about this, and I also realize that my phone does this for me, <laughs> and so I really don't understand why that's even a thing. You know, I, I don't know. 
It's one of those questions we may never have the answer to. Oh, it, and it's it's one. It's like I feel like we should probably be able to answer this. I it's not. It's so, not I like think it's not like though, are we to get to a point where we don't have this anymore? We don't keep changing back. Oh, and there's gosh. enough. There's enough people talking about it. I, I have to assume that's coming. But it's not like a difficult question. Like, are we alone in the universe? Yeah. It's like, do we want to move our clocks around all the time and deal with this, <laughs> or just realize that yeah, some days it's early and you know, it's dark, like, and sometimes it's, like it's the, early and bright. It's like the college football playoffs. We had to talk about it for way too long before we got there four teams eight teams 16 now teams. you know when are we going to get to eight teams it's coming it just takes forever it's gonna happen to it's get just there. Oh, you know man. we're going to get rid of daylight savings time so back Lord. to your question <laughs> uh you know i want maybe we just keep it a little more general uh tomorrow which was yesterday for our listeners <laughs> we tackled our second week of our transformed series we're talking about romans 12 1 and 2 uh, in light of the gospel, in response to the gospel, the premise is that uh, we are to give him everything. We're to give our bodies as living sacrifices to him. Uh, what does that mean to you, Wayne? I mean, that's a that's a softball down the middle as a <laughs> as a guy really striving to follow Jesus. What does it mean for you to give him everything? I mean, literally that. But I mean, easier said than done, right? Um, I, I think that's another thing that we'll wrestle with as Christians for a long time. Like I've listened to some some outstanding professors of religion, Dallas Willard, uh, Jim Houston from Regent College in uh, British Columbia. Um, and those guys have been asked similar questions. And essentially, there's no cookie-cutter recipe. In our world where we can click on Google and find information and maybe find literally a recipe for things, uh, the journey of being a Christian, the journey of finding truth in the Bible and in Christ is lengthy. It's not going to be an instant, I figured it out, unfortunately. Um, and so I struggle with how does that look in my life? Like, what can I be doing tomorrow or today that will get me on that path that is probably necessary to get me going in that direction? And then I, I read the Bible, and, and essentially there's some things that I'm like, whew, so if I get struck on this cheek, then I should turn the other <laughs> cheek. And that's like totally backwards from how I would naturally think. Mm. Um, and so I wrestle with those ideas. I, I don't have the answer. I wish I did, uh, but I'm certainly willing to continue to to study it, to learn from other people, to listen to people like Dallas Willard, um, who's fantastic. Jim Houston's another one um, that I, I really uh, love to listen to. And he, he was in his 80s when he did an interview in Biola, and it was fantastic. Somebody asking him a pointing question. The whole theme of the talk, about an hour, hour and a half, uh, was essentially spiritual formation or spiritual transformation. And he kind of chuckled when somebody asked them, almost like the instant recipe for being a good Christian or being, you know, uh, in line with what biblical teachings are. And and he's like, look, I, I'm 83 years old, and I still don't have the Ooh. answer. I'm still on the journey. I mm. still wake up every day, as does Dallas or did Dallas Willard. Uh, to say, I, I'm still trying to seek Christ and Ooh. seek these answers. Um, so I, I wish I did have a good answer for you, but I'm, <laughs> well, I'm you, still on the journey, and I'm asking people to, to, to come along and journey with me so I can figure it out. But you, you, still, you still hit on two parts of the answer, I think, as much as we can't put it all in a little tweet um, in a little simple statement. One, you're recognizing uh, that it's a, it's a process. Sure. It doesn't happen in a moment. It's a lifelong process of maturing, of, of changing, of letting God change us. One, that's, that's truth. And then two, you mentioned, you know, okay, well, Jesus says, if somebody strikes me on this cheek, I'm supposed to let him. That's wow. That's a different way of thinking. That's part of where I'm trying to take us. As we look at Romans 12, one and two 
is part of our response is very specific, letting God change the way we think. There are other messages we're getting without even realizing it. Growing up in our current culture, uh, watching TV, watching the news, hanging out with certain kinds of people, going to certain kinds of churches even, where we are learning like sponges how to think. And the scripture is telling us, in light of the gospel, in light of his call on our lives and giving him everything, he wants to change the way we think. Uh, what does it look like for you as still someone growing, all the disclaimers you've given, but you are growing, you sure. are becoming more Christ-like. What does it look like for you to let God change the way you think? So when you're talking, I, I remember Damon Friedman. He was here one time. Right. He's an Air Force officer, retired now. He's a part of Soft Missions. And, and the title of one of the movies that they did was Surrender. And that's so counterintuitive to guys like me uh, and people in a the military, military guy yeah, telling you to surrender. surrender. <laughs> but in fact, that's what we've had to do. I know, I know a little bit about Damon's story, and he'll tell you I had to surrender. And I think it's it's almost ironic that that is the title of the movie. That is kind of his theme and his approach to things because it we're called to sacrifice and to essentially put ourselves out there. And when I have surrendered um, alongside the guys I was telling you about earlier, through Every Man of Warrior, that's a Bible study that basically led um, me pretty much to this point, being sitting here at this table. Um, I had to surrender to God because I felt like I had to control things. I had to pull myself up by the bootstraps, which we've talked about. Like, I thought that's how I needed to be. And and then when I got to the point where that was not working, like, I, I had to surrender. And when I did, that's when I felt like I really, really grew a lot. Um, and, and I'm impacted by things like our small group uh, last semester. I, I, I do like to learn. I like to read. And we're going through the Bible study rooted at the time. And, and when I put the, the book down and I listen to other people share their stories and their experiences and their God stories, like that's where the growth like really happened. Like we, we can't neglect the relationships that form around us. Uh, we do have to dive in where it gets messy. Uh, we have to surrender ourselves um, to Christ and in the midst of all that, I think that's where things become more apparent, and we may not have the answer to the question, but I think we're on the path to finding out what it is. Mm. Let me ask you one more question, Wayne. Sure. I know, um, I know I'm going to close uh, tomorrow, which was yesterday, uh, with the statement <laughs> that, uh, and this is, this, is my, this is not from the Scripture, but this is my belief based on the Scripture, that Jesus doesn't want to make us better people. He wants to make us new people. What does that mean to you? Because we're obviously we, we want to become better people and we're the self-improvement is all around us. It's so natural. Like I want to get better. To and if I get better, if I, I am more good, then then that's what people's mentality is towards becoming a better Christian. And, and, and like I said, is that our natural thought? I think to some degree it is. Um, but in the end, um, is it is it being better or is it being new and new in our thinking as in, you know, I'm going to surrender myself, sacrifice, give myself to God, um, in, in the way that he's asked it, which is super challenging. Um, is that the, is that the way? And I'm not trying to steal the, uh, the line from the Mandalorian, but it, it, is that the way I think it might be, you know what I mean? How, how difficult is it to, <laughs> to go down that path extremely difficult. And I think it's something that's constantly challenging. It's, uh, it's hard. Um, 
But I think, again, we're back to, you know, is this part of our journey? Are we willing to step forward and do that? Uh, I am, um, even though it may look messy, even though it may be hard. Uh, I think that's kind of what the community of Christians and believers is supposed to be. Mm. And and then that way, again, we can maybe find out what that means. Mm. Okay, I'll lie to have one more question. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because I know you're a man of discipline and, and you're a student. You, you're teachable. Uh and you value, you value scripture highly. Uh, I know one of the premises uh, of what I want to share with our people is we've got to replace wrong ways of thinking with truth, and and that's what we grab. That's why we grab a hold of the scripture. Uh, what does it look like for you personally to grow as a student of scripture? What is what what disciplines do you have or? Or what's your, even if you're not living up to it consistently, what's your heart's desire when it comes to equipping yourself with the knowledge of what's true so that you can counter lies, counter false ways of thinking, and, and replace those with truths from Scripture? What does it look like for Wayne? It looks different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be honest, I, I do struggle with that. Like, how can I do that more often? How can I do that uh, with more discipline, more periodically? Uh, and I think actually the question of truth is very, very relevant to today's society. Um, you know, we're getting to the point where there are theories and philosophies where we don't believe in truth anymore. Uh, and what does that look like? And, and to some degree, like that, that baffles me. But I, I think in our heart of hearts and our guts, like we do believe in truth. Um, nobody likes to be lied to at least, right, that I that I know of. I haven't <laughs> found anybody that's like cool with you, you know, right. telling a lie uh, to me. But back to your question, uh, so every man of warrior would have us memorize verses. And when I first learned that was part of the study, I'm like, ooh, that sounds like Sunday school, like when I grew up. But it was profound when I started to read the Bible and then memorize and then kind of regurgitate or to recite in my mind those things. Um, basically, they would pop up like, Part of that Bible study was Galatians 6.14. Like, when I feel prideful, which is, I think, one of my downfalls and has been uh, over time, then I, I think about that verse and I go, you know, am I being boastful in something else other than Christ? And if so, then I just need to stop what I'm doing. Um, now, I mean, I'm not naive to, to think nor say that I, I, I always think about that. I mean, there's probably times where I'm prideful and I just don't realize it. Um, I don't want to be, but sometimes I go down that path. Um, and so I, I think it's important for us to, and it, it kind of goes back to what we're taught. Uh, I, I think it's important to be in prayer. I think it's important to be in the Bible and in the Word and studying. I, I learned a lot by memorizing some of the verses that Every Man of Warrior uh, taught us to, to learn. Um, and, and essentially, I, I go online and I listen to people. Like I said, Dallas Willard stuff's online. Um, Jim Houston stuff on, is online. Uh, and, and others... Um, I just want to learn more about what truth really is uh, in the way the Bible describes it and try to get to the point where I understand it better. I don't know if we'll ever understand it completely. Um, I would like to think that, but I think that's probably going to be, you know, in heaven. I would like to think that we would learn what truth really is the way God intends it there. Um, and so, again, I'm just on the journey just like everybody else. I appreciate you sharing. I, I love that you're with us this week. Uh, we've talked trash about having different people on here. <laughs> we've talked about one elders specifically. Uh, you do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of prayer, a lot of shepherding behind the scenes. So thanks for, for joining us today, Wayne. I'm glad to be here. I'm obviously honored to be here as well. Thanks for asking me to be here. 
Well, in the uh, in the light of the uh, the the teaching that's to come tomorrow that was yesterday, um, just to to make it more confusing, let's pause this conversation because <laughs> we may have some of these questions that pop up again next week and we can go back into. But um, as we as we pause, Lauren, um, what can we expect for next week after spring break? Coming back week three of transformed. What's, uh, what's coming up? I actually think next week's teaching on the 21st is going to be one of the most practical and helpful teachings. We're going uh, to talk about reframing things in a very pragmatic way uh, that we don't, we don't get super practical a lot in church. We, sometimes we keep it deeply theological, or, or we maybe even oversimplified, but there's some practical things we can do to let God change the way we think. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, also just, this is spring break week. So I know we've got a little bit of craziness with families all over the place. Now that people are getting out more, I think we're going to have more people scattered and out of town during the week. I know my family is, uh, going down to red river for a few days. I cannot wait. Uh, my kids are excited. But having said that, we're just a couple weeks beyond that from Easter. Right. I want to bring that up. Do it couple things. One is a reminder to everybody. We need to be talking about this constantly and trade, trading this, this plan with each other. Two services as of Easter Sunday uh, and beyond the Sunday after that, Sunday after that. So a 915 and an 11 a.m. service each week. A couple things. Man, who are you bringing? Like a lot more people are comfortable getting out. The Texas Rangers are opening up their, their stadium <laughs> on April capacity. 5th. For a hundred percent capacity on opening day, I don't know if that's a terribly stupid idea <laughs> or a brilliant idea. But regardless, that's what the Rangers are doing. The NBA shut us down a year ago. Maybe maybe led the way. So it's the NBA's fault. No, that well, you can, so it's, it's either so their it's, fault or it was brilliant. Again, <laughs> it depends on how you want to interpret it. Now, evidently, the Major League Base, Baseball uh, League is. Can I say that Major League Baseball League? Anyway, Major League is bringing us back. I don't know. Regardless, who are you? bring into church on mm. Easter Sunday. Who's who's more open to hearing the gospel? We're going to talk about finding life in the midst of death, uh, the way God changes everything through Christ. So who do you want to expose to the gospel? Who do you want to bring back? Who? What families out there have been staying away for a long time that maybe now it's time to come back? You can register your kids, get a good spot in a really small setting. We're keeping the ratio of kids room really small still we're trying to be we're going to clean before and and after each service two services on the on easter sunday uh i also it's it's just i hope it's not white noise i hope it's remotely helpful how are you going to serve and help us make it happen we do not have the labor force flat out as of today to do this well so are you willing as a part of colonial's church family to attend one and serve one uh, are you willing to say, hey, my family's going to come to the 915, we're going to worship together, and then me and my husband and my daughter, we're going to all go serve in kids' ministry, or we're going to all serve together on the welcome team, or whatever that looks like. We need at least 50, 60 different people to do that and not hope somebody else does it. And I realize it's a mass appeal from Pastor Lauren, and those don't work very well, <laughs> evidently. Um, but man, would you, right now, would you get on your app, if you're listening to this, Hit the I want to serve button on our app and just just at least put your name out there and let us follow up with you and see if we can stick you somewhere. Right. So Easter's coming up. We have going to two services, going back to two services again, coming out of uh, 
hopefully coming out of the pandemic, right? Getting, I hope so. Are we getting, are we getting like too excited? Are we not getting excited fast enough? I don't well, know. Well, I think you're getting back into what's your personal perspective and right. opinion on this. So, uh, here's what I will say: yes, we say are going to continue to take it seriously here at the church. In yep. case anybody's wondering, we're cleaning. Our welcome team's wearing masks. Uh, we're, we're being deliberate between services. We're giving us enough time to not be all crunched up into one space. That's why we're going to two services in part to be able to spread out. And you get to decide what you're doing. It's a free country. You can come and, and, or you can not come. You can still enjoy it online. Yep. Um, I hope, I hope you don't get bent out of shape by how we're trying to do it. We're trying to be deliberate and welcoming all at the same time. And again, you, can't make everyone happy. I know. I just ticked off every half scenario, of our people. Right. <laughs> Which somehow. half? The the best. Hopefully half. not both halves. The, my favorite half is my the favorite half that I just ticked off. <laughs> just to be clear, I don't know which if one I you just are, but you you're off, still my favorite. You're my favorite half. It's my. It's the best one. Well, uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. Um, as as always, please send us your questions, your your feedback. Uh, podcast at colonialchurch.com or you can send it to us through Facebook or through email or through text message or through carrier pigeon or <laughs> whatever way you want to get your questions here. We'd love to talk about some of the perspectives that other people have, some of the questions that other people have. If you have not already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. That way you can automatically get a notification. You don't have to wait for me to happen to post it on uh, on Monday afternoon on Facebook or, uh, or wherever because, you know, I'll probably screw up a link one or two times, you know, this week or next week or whatever. So subscribe to the podcast so we can do that. Um, we, uh, we would love to hear your feedback. Give us a review. Tell us what you think. And um, yeah, we will uh, we'll pause the conversation. And we'll pick it up again next week. You've been listening to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. For more information about Colonial, please visit colonialchurch.com or download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can send us your thoughts, your feedback, and questions to our email, podcast at colonialchurch.com. And please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll pick up the conversation again next week.